I have a passage of scripture that I want to share with you this morning. I want to tell you what I'm going to be doing today. Um, this is the first time I've ever done this, and this is like uh, a new approach, and this is a year of first for me, because I, I did some other things this summer in terms of the messages that I've never done before. I've never tried to give an annual report and a morning service in time reserved for the declaration of the Word of God. But, you know, as I started thinking about it, this really is biblical. And it's biblical because, and I take this text from Proverbs 27, verse 23, the Scripture says, Know well the condition of your flocks, and pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Proverbs 27, 23, Know well the condition of your flocks, and pay attention to your herds. This is scriptural. To stop every once in a while and take our pulse. And in the presence of God, say, Lord, how are we doing? What's happening in our life and and, and in the family that we call the Alliance Bible Church? What's going on here? What's good? What's eh, not so good? What... What do we need to give attention to? How do we need to grow? And how do we need to learn? And so, uh, what I'm going to do this morning, I've, I've taken all of the reports that all of you who are ministry leaders have turned in. I've read them. I've thought about them. And one of the things that I realized very quickly was I could not possibly repeat your reports. I mean, I could not give those in detail. Uh, we would be here until well into the afternoon. And so I said, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do with this? And so two things came to mind. One is, this morning to take a bird's eye view, just to get an overview. What's happening here in this assembly? The other one is, those reports are valuable, and they have good things to share. And we're going to edit those in terms of formatting and everything and get them into one document a PDF file that Monica is going to put on our website, and that will be available for you to go to the website and read. And I want to encourage you to do that, because it is worth reading what the ministry leaders have written about every one of their ministries, what God is doing in their lives and in their ministry. And I want to encourage you to read those. So we're going to make those available on the website, and they'll be there for you. But I want to give you kind of an overview this morning. And one of the first things that came to my attention when I started looking at all the things that go on in our church, and we actually have a page with a two-column list, is we have a lot of things happening at the Alliance Bible Church in McHenry. There are many, many ministries. And every one of them represents something that God is doing in our midst in a particular way, showing Himself through the gifts and, and uh, aptitudes that He's given you. You know, when you're doing and serving in the way that God has called you to do, these things rise up among us. And uh, this morning, I want to kind of take an overview of our children's ministries, our youth and young adult ministries, our focused adult ministries, prayer, evangelism, and outreach. Kind of a statistical summary, and I think you'll find that interesting. Uh, some people are bored with statistics, but they can be fascinating because of the story they tell. And finally, I want to draw some conclusions, which is really the exhortation part of my message this morning. I want to ask the question before God, what does this mean? 
what, what is good, what needs to be fixed, what does the future hold, and how do we need to be praying. And uh, we're going to take a quick trip through the ministries, and then we're going to look at some highlights uh, specifically. Here in our congregation, we have a number of ministries for children. Those include nursery and toddlers, and right now downstairs there's a place where infants through toddlers are being taken care of, and as soon as they're old enough to listen to a story, they're being introduced to the Word of God. In addition to the nursery and toddler area, we have a children's church. You heard me just dismiss the kids, fifth grade and younger, to go down there, and there's about 15 children on average who participate every week in children's church and what they're doing is they are going through Bible stories in the Old and New Testament. They're alternating. They go a little while in the Old Testament, a little while in the New Testament, so that they begin to form in their mind the stories of God's people and kind of begin to, to have a framework for the background of our faith. On Monday nights, our Awana clubs meet right here at, in the, this room and downstairs. Our Awana clubs meet there are 20-plus children, and Mel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's growing. We had 40. Well, I grew, it doubled. <laughs> you had 40 this past week. Wow. Okay. So, it's, uh, that's a good thing, yes. So, Awana Ministries are growing, and that's a ministry that incorporates kind of three phases of, of spiritual development. Part of it is fun, just playing together, having a good time. Part of it is scripture memory, and part of it is uh, hearing from the Word of God in a message that is tailor-made for the age group. And so the children who come to Awana uh, have that opportunity to, to become immersed in the scriptures. You know, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if you can build the scriptures into the lives of children, it will stay with them all of their lives. And so that's Monday evenings. Then during the summertime, we have now Family Vacation Bible School. And this past summer, we had an average attendance of 103 children every night of the week, Monday through Friday, to live in the town of Bethlehem. If you weren't here then, you didn't see this. This whole room was transformed into Bethlehem town. And, uh, you know, it had the booths and the fountain in the middle, the well, and all those kinds of things. And then downstairs there were activities, but all of the activities pointed to helping the children understand something about living in the time of Jesus Christ. And with that understanding, to also hear the gospel message. And so, Family Vacation Bible School in the summertime. Then, our youth and young adult ministries, and I make a distinction here because... It's, it's interesting, we have multiple cultures in our church, we have two different languages. When I say multiple cultures, if you speak English or Spanish, it doesn't mean you're from the United States or from Mexico or from Peru or something. If you speak Spanish, you could be from eight or nine different countries, actually you could be from 30 or something different countries. But we have over eight countries represented in our Spanish language group downstairs. But when they think about youth, they typically think of about 16 to about 25 or 28. And so they're looking at young adult population. When we, uh, as Anglos, tend to think about youth, we're primarily looking at junior high and high school. So on Thursday night, Angel and Elsie meet with the Hispanic young people, and they have a Bible study and a time of prayer 
and they have activities that involve uh, them and their group on Thursday evenings and different outings that they experience. And then on Friday evenings, as I introduced Carrie and Reggie to you a few moments ago, they lead our junior high and high school uh, youth group on Friday nights where anywhere from 30 on up, uh, sometimes we've had 50 or more uh, young people on Friday nights participating there, where they read the Bible together and they have a chance to hear the Scripture explained. And as I mentioned, Carrie brings a message that is focused uh, on the issues that are relevant for their lives. They also go to conferences and take trips and outings, so they have that blending as well of recreation and uh, Bible study opportunities and engaging in the Word of God. And then, uh, along with the children and the youth, we have something for adults of all ages and all kinds of opportunities. Some of them are just pure fun, and some of them are pure fun in the Word. They're focused on discipleship and spiritual growth, but there's opportunities to play and opportunities to study and opportunities to learn. These include things like women's ministries, which uh, have a whole variety of different activities during the course of the year. Charlotte, what's some of the most recent things that you guys have done? And Tina kind of led in that activity that involved making a journal with a really cool cover and uh, being able to kind of journal your whole year ahead of you. So things like that through the Women's Ministries group. And uh, then, in addition, um, there are the Hispanic Discipleship Studies, the Men's Monthly Breakfast. Uh, Dean Leonard uh, leads a men's group every month, and he's been doing that since before I came 27 years ago. Um, there are discipleship studies that Pastor Hector and some of the elders among the Hispanic congregation uh, lead in terms of their opportunity to study the Scripture. We have small group ministries. We have eight groups in our church that meet weekly that talk about the sermon. And so they meet and, and discuss the message that they've heard during the week, and they meet in neighborhoods throughout the communities. Women's Word Study. The meeting during the midday for ladies to get into the Word, Marge usually leads that. Listening prayer women's study. There's a new Bible study this year for women during the week in the mornings that involve learning how to pray and listen to God. And then another new study for women that started this year is the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives that is specially oriented around women studying that topic. Fellowship luncheons, almost on a monthly basis. We usually have a church picnic in the summer and a church softball week. So, if you want to get involved, you know, in some kind of ministry or some kind of opportunity or recreation or whatever it is, there are all kinds of things that are happening around our church. In the areas of prayer, evangelism, and outreach, there are many things going on there as well. We have a weekly prayer meeting that we have preserved. A lot of churches have changed the weekly prayer meeting or eliminated it. But we feel that it's important to give an opportunity to come on Wednesday night and to have as many people as are available come together for the purpose of praying for the congregation. We realize that some of your schedules don't permit that. Some of you have long commutes. 
Some of you are involved two or three other nights of the week in other ministries, and, and we take all those things into account, but we have the opportunity here to come and pray for the ministries and the mission of the church and around the world. We also have the Alliance Women's Mission Prayer Focus, and that meets monthly, usually in our home. My wife hosts that and allows a focus on praying for missionaries throughout the world in conjunction also with the Alliance Women's Christmas Tea. How many of you have been to the Christmas Tea in, in years past? Uh, most of the ladies here in the church, and, uh, and, <laughs> and Ron, he usually shows up in a white shirt and dark uh, slacks and serves, right? Occasionally, okay. But uh, at the ladies' Christmas tea, the Alliance Women's Christmas tea, there's an opportunity to hear a mission speaker, to have a good program presented with special music. But it's an opportunity as well to invite friends and neighbors to come and participate in a very elegant and special event. Auditorium is turned into tables. People bring their uh, very special tea sets and set the china out and the candles and the place settings. And you get to decorate your own table. And it's a very elegant and, and beautiful event. I mean, the room is just gorgeous and the tables are fantastic. But as you invite people to come in, they get an exposure not only to our church, but they get an exposure to world mission and to the gospel. So it's an outreach opportunity for world mission as well. We have people in our church who are involved in missions not affiliated with the Christian Missionary Alliance, and we we support them and endorse them. We have a couple, I'm not mentioning their names because this hour is being recorded, uh, and uh, the countries that they have served in would put them at great risk were it known, but we have couples who serve to give the Word of God to people uh, in their own language. And they're working in areas of the world that are currently limited access countries uh, because of the sensitive nature of, she- of sp- spreading the gospel. I want to tell you about Awana and Family Vacation Bible School in terms of mission outreach. Because in addition to serving the children within our church, Awana and Family Vacation Bible School is designed to be an outreach ministry. And this past year, through the Awana Clubs, we have at least three children that we know of that prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They came through the Awana ministry. In addition to that, during Family Vacation Bible School, we had nine children that we know of that prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So between these two ministries that target children as its focus... We have seen 12 people this year come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I cannot overemphasize the importance of reaching children with the gospel. Because you may not be aware of it, but more than 80% of people who trust Jesus Christ as their Savior do so before the age of 18. They are reached when they're children. Jesus said, allow the little children to come to me because of such as these is the kingdom of heaven. And we emphasize and focus on children because we recognize the importance of getting them uh, grounded in the Word of God, teaching them the Word of God, and giving them the opportunity to trust Jesus Christ. Yes, we recognize that as they get older, not all of them are going to stay focused on Christ. 
But when the foundation is laid and the heart has been opened and the Holy Spirit is present, many, many times, even the ones that stray come back home to Christ and, and follow Him in the older years of their lives, which would not necessarily happen if they didn't have that opportunity as children. On top of that, this summer in our backpack bash, we were able to offer a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. You, know, you remember that scripture passage in Matthew 25 as Jesus is talking about the end times. He says, if any one of you gives a cup of cold water in my name, it will be recognized. Well, we did that this summer for more than 200 children who received school supplies absolutely free in the name of Jesus. They were able to come and pick out their own supplies and build their own school supply kit, backpack, whatever it was that they needed to go to school from families that could not necessarily afford to provide them. And rather than just handing them a bag full of what I call the El Cheapo Deluxe, you know, here's some pencils, crayons, and paper, depart, be happy and excited, you know. We allowed them to pick their own paper and pens and crayons and rulers and all those kinds of things, and play games and have refreshments and experience the love of God from the people who serve them at the Backpack Bash. And you see behind me this morning, uh, there's about 120 boxes up here on the platform today that last Sunday evening we prepared for Operation Christmas Child. Well, a year ago, when we did Operation Christmas Child, we prepared 132 boxes that went to about a half a dozen different countries, including Ecuador and the Dominican Republic. And you saw the letter that I read last week. You heard the letter that Emily received from one of the children that received one of those boxes. And so in, in outreaching to the world, we have been able to touch last year 132 lives, this year 120 lives, and year, year by year, it's amazing what God allows us to do. Whew. Aren't you already kind of overwhelmed with all the stuff going on? In addition to that, we have a manna ministry. And you know, in recent years, we have focused the benevolent care of our church in terms of actual monetary support on families within the church that have need. We soon recognized, as we were at once upon a time paying gas bills and electric bills for everybody in the county, that uh, all the public government agencies were starting to say, call the Alliance Bible Church, they'll help you. And pretty soon we had just droves of people that wanted their bills paid, and we were just overwhelmed and realized that that was not going to be very effective. And so we, we recognized that we have a, a moral obligation to care for our church family and people that have need. And so that's where we put our benevolent funds. But we have a manna ministry that is a food pantry downstairs, and anyone that walks in the door can get food. And so when you give to the manna ministry, there's absolutely no questions asked, no holds barred. They can go down to the manna cupboards and get whatever food supplies that they need because feeding the hungry is a very, very important part of the, the life of Christ in our church. Now, in all of these ministries of the church, what is the effect of the communication of the gospel? Well... It's kind of amazing. In our English language ministries, we know of at least two adults who prayed to receive Christ this past year. 
In our Spanish language ministries, we know of at least 20 adults who prayed to receive Jesus Christ this year. Isn't that amazing? I just, I just rejoice. In fact, when I called Pastor Hector and I asked him, I said, Hector, how many people did you see come to Christ this year? And he said, oh, I think 20 and 30. And I said, oh, okay. oh, wait a minute, I thought he misunderstood me. Hector, how many people prayed to receive Jesus Christ? Between 25 and 30. I said, are you sure? He said, yes, I'm sure. And then he went on to tell me some stories about one gentleman whose family came to visit uh, from another country, and nearly the whole family opened their hearts to Christ while they were here for several weeks. And so, through our Spanish language ministries, at least 20 people have prayed to receive Christ this year. As I mentioned, the Wana Clubs, three people, and Family Vacation Bible School, nine people for a total this year of 34 people who have professed to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In fact, if you look at the last five-year history, it's, it's kind of remarkable. In 2008, we had, saw about six people come to Christ. In 2009, we saw eight. In 2010, it was about 19. Three in 2011, and 34 this year. And if you kind of put that all together and average it out, that's about 14 people per year that invite Christ into their life. That's an amazing, amazing number. And praise God that he gives us that opportunity to share Christ. Well, what about the, the infrastructure? What is it that keeps all of these ministries afloat and going? Among many support ministries is our church office. Charlotte is my administrative assistant. She's also the office manager. Denise is our bookkeeper and church secretary. And one of the things that they wanted me to communicate to you is that our church office is often one of the most underutilized resources we have. Folks, Charlotte has been here almost 25 years. Denise has been here about a dozen. What that means is they know stuff. <laughs> they know a lot of stuff. They know where all the things in the church are kept. They know what we have and what we don't have. They know what resources are available. They know what the calendar looks like. They have ideas from resources beyond the church. They have all kinds of ways that they can help you. And they said, please stress in your report that that if you have any questions or you're about to launch into a project in your ministry, call us up and talk to us about it. Because we have ideas and we can be helpful and supportive in that way. Um, I would also like to add, though, that Friday is an absolute zoo around here. We are just going crazy with all the work that has to be done on Friday. So Friday's probably not the best day to make that phone call. But uh, anytime else during the week, we encourage you to call the church office. We have a volunteer we recognized last month, Dick Wright, and all the people that help him. But Dick Wright takes care of the building and grounds around here and looks after all the things that need attention and need repair and need maintenance. And wow, he's doing a fantastic job. Monica Close does our website and digital sign. And if you haven't uh, been looking, you need to go check out the website, www.mckenryalliance.com, and see the marvelous new banners that she's added and the way the website looks. Uh, Tim Wright helps us with our computers. We have a library downstairs. 
the kitchen supplies, and then when you take the the whole picture off the table and start to focus just on the worship services, look at all the people involved in that, musicians and CD duplication, sermon recording and soundboard technician and communion preparation and decorations and auditorium prep and ushers and greeters and offering stewards and wow it takes a lot just to do the things that happen on a regular basis but you know one of the neat things about our congregation is that more than 50% of the people who attend here are involved regularly and consistently in one of these ministries. More than half. You know, you've heard the old saying, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Well, in our church, because I, I asked for this, I said, Charlotte, would you look for me and tell me how many people in our church are involved in all of these ministries? I wanted to see if the 80-20 rule held. And I'm happy to tell you it does not. It's more like the 50-90 the <laughs> rule or something, because... More than half of our people are involved in the ministries of the church and on a regular, consistent, and faithful basis. And, well, if I've left you out, I didn't mean to, but I couldn't possibly name all the people in one single report that are doing things within our congregation. Let's talk about giving just for a moment. In the realm of finance, there are a number of different things that can be supported through our congregation, the general fund takes care of everything that goes on here at 3815 Bull Valley Road. It's the thing that takes care of the lights, the electric, the salaries, and the ministries, and all of those kinds of things. The Great Commission Fund is our Christian and Missionary Alliance missions focus. Those funds go to the national office and support mission work around the world. I've already mentioned to you non-alliance missions like Wycliffe Bible Translators. Dave and Marty Jones in our 8 o'clock service just announced this morning that this is their last Sunday for several months. They're going to Orlando to spend the winter working with Wycliffe down in Orlando. And so uh, there's non-alliance missions. District church planting is involved in starting churches in Illinois and Indiana, predominantly in the Chicago and Indianapolis areas. Local benevolence, as I mentioned, takes care of financial needs among our membership. Special projects like we had this summer for the windows, the computers, and other things that we needed to replace, and all other ministries of the church. How does that look graphically? If you look at the five-year trend of our giving from 2008 to the present, those the blue line up there represents our monthly numbers. How much money comes in every month? Now, if you're an accountant or you're a statistician and you look at this graph, if you don't know Jesus, you've got heartburn. You know why? The blue line represents our monthly giving. What does that say about cash flow? It is all over the board. One month we're here, next month we're here, next month we're here, then we're here, then we're up here, then we're down here. Month, I'm not talking about weeks, I'm talking about months where the giving is all over the board. And, and it takes a lot of 
foresight and wisdom and prayer and depending on Christ to manage a budget with a cash flow like this. And, you know, my hat's certainly off to our treasurers and to, to Charla, our comptroller, and Denise, the bookkeeper, who give their effort to making it smooth when the income kind of looks like the blue line. The red line up here represents a trend line, though. And the trend line, uh, you say, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it's a mathematical analysis of the giving history for five years. I didn't just put a ruler on the paper and draw that line. That is a mathematical analysis of the giving. And it shows that in five years' time, our monthly averages have declined from about 24,000 plus to about 21.5 or $2,500 a month less today than five years ago. And you have to ask the question, why is this? And when you see the attendance numbers in a moment, you're going to be able to make a correlation that does not fit. Because you cannot explain the budget numbers based on average attendance. What you can explain it on is the economy. And friends, we have people in our church who have lost jobs. We have people who are still unemployed. We have people that have never been able to return to their former incomes. Our church has experienced 11% unemployment. And when you look at the trend line, what you're seeing is a picture of the economy reflected in our congregation. It's not that people are giving less, it's that people have less income. And we have to face that reality and begin to factor that in to what's happening among us and, and realize that this is a reality that we're going to be living with, you know, unless things change. Let me talk about attendance for a little bit and highlight some of those issues. This graph that I have developed, the bottom one represents our attendance over uh, this last year for the Spanish language group downstairs at 10 o'clock. And by the way, that little dip you see there, <clears throat> that's a data glitch. That's, they didn't fail to meet one Sunday. <laughs> that's just an oops in the data. But, but the dark blue represents the, eight o'clock, the 10 o'clock Spanish service. The top green represents the 10 o'clock English service. And the middle band of aqua, or whatever we want to call that, represents the 8 o'clock English service. You can see that the largest service of attendance in our congregation is at 8 o'clock in the English service, but that the other two are kind of uh, hanging in there pretty well. But let's look at the trends for these over time. When you look at what happens over a uh, five-year period of time, I wish that I had done a simple, flat, linear trend line for the Spanish language service. I did a rolling average thinking that would be helpful, and I'm not so sure that it was. But essentially, within the Spanish language service, although we've seen times of growth and times of decline and gradual increase, the trend line has a negative slope. If you look down at the bottom to the combined 8 and 10 o'clock English language services, the trend line also has a negative slope. What do those two represent together? Sometimes we have a tendency to look around like this morning 
and we say, gosh, there's a lot of empty seats in this room. What does that mean? You know, where is everybody? Well, look at the blue line. In every case, the blue lines represent weekly attendance, which is also all over the charts. In other words, some of you only make it every once or twice a month, and others only make it once or twice a month. That means you could conceivably come to the same service in this church and never meet one another. That's one of the things it means, and you have to recognize that. But the other thing is, is that when you put it all together, in five years' time, our average attendance has, can I say, only declined by ten people. That's not a huge amount. It's not a good amount, but it's not huge. There's only been a ten person, not ten percent, ten person decline in average Sunday attendance over a five-year period. But look at the visitor line in the middle. It goes up. In fact, the way we count visitors is everyone who attends a service but has not identified this church as their home church. So it could be a first-time visitor. It could be a family member visiting with you. It could be someone who's attended a half a dozen times. But the reality is, is that we average 14 visitors per Sunday. And if you take away all the other reasons and try to narrow that down to how many first-time visitors each week, that answer is at least three per week who visit this church for the first time. And over the course of five years, that means at least 200 people who have walked in the door of the Alliance Bible Church looking for a church home. Let's talk about missions for a moment, and then I want to draw some conclusions. And I'm actually going to be done on time this morning. When we come to the story of mission... And every congregation should have an outward focus. If all we do is serve ourselves, we're ingrown, we're self-centered, and just like people who are self-centered, we're not going to be healthy. Mission here represents the investment that we make in, in ministry beyond the borders of our church, You can see that the Great Commission Fund with the CNMA, the Christian Missionary Alliance, is the largest amount of giving, uh, followed by a general others category, and then Wycliffe Translators with a particular couple that I have mentioned to you, and then our benevolence giving and our district church planting. But look at the next slide, the pie chart. The chart, the pie, represents the total amount that we give to mission. 8% of our congregation gives two-thirds of all missionary giving. 32% give the other third. 40% of our congregation give nothing to the support of world mission. And I ask the question, is... 
missions, which is our middle name, really true of us? If almost half of our congregation gives nothing to the support of world mission. What's my take on all of this? Let me wrap this up for you. I have three slides of conclusions. First of all, let's look at our strengths. We see 14 people a year invite Jesus Christ into their life and purpose to follow him as Lord and Savior, children and adults. 14 per year. To put that in perspective, more than half of the Christian and Missionary Alliance churches across the nation go year after year without reporting a single conversion. Not one. The average for churches all across America is a 3% across the board conversion growth. Our church experiences better than 10% on average, 14 people per year. That's amazing. And I don't know if you recall some years ago when we were doing natural church development as a, as a uh, kind of a check your pulse uh, instrument, Christian Schwartz in his analysis of over 30,000 churches worldwide discovered this amazing fact that two churches of 200 win more people to Christ around the world, not just in America, but I'm talking about China, India, Africa, South America. Two churches of 200 win more people to Christ than one church of 400. Part of the reason for that is that smaller churches are more effective in communicating the gospel one-on-one. And I think that's certainly borne out by our congregation. We are intentional about pointing people to Jesus, and we see the result of that. Now, I want to hasten to say, this is God's work among us. I'm reading this book by David Platt called Radical, and I love the illustration. Did I tell you this last week? About the, the graveyard? Anybody remember a graveyard? Okay. Just wanted to check my dementia scale this morning as long as we're doing doing statistics. David Platt said that his seminary prof in preaching took his class out to the edge of a cemetery. I love this. This is so true. He had them stand at the edge of the cemetery, and he said, I know this is going to make you self-conscious, but I want every one of you to step up on this rock here, and for one minute... I want you to preach your heart out to raise these people from the dead out of their graves. And he said there was a real awkward pause. And then they took the bait. And one by one they got up and preached their heart out to raise the dead. And nobody responded. And then he said to them, this is what it's like to preach the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we're trying to raise the dead. And it won't happen without Jesus. Just want you to know that. So when I say praise God for 14 people per year that trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, one of the things that says is that God is at work in our midst. Because that cannot happen by human effort alone. 
that is something that is a work of God. Another strength that we have is that numerous opportunities for people to be discipled and to learn the Word of God, and many people are involved. We have small groups, we have Bible studies, we have uh, focused prayer groups, we have opportunities where people in small numbers look each other in the eye across the room and talk about how are you doing in your spiritual life? What are you learning? What has God been showing you? You know, when, when our small group meets on Thursday night, we ask those questions. What's happening in your life this week? What's God been teaching you? What did you get out of the message? How is God working in your life? How can we pray for you? It's not just about information. It's about spiritual development and discipleship. And we see a large number of our people involved in discipleship opportunities and growing in Christ. And I know that's true because I see you grow. I watch change in your lives that is positive. We have a variety of ministries in English and Spanish, and over 50% of our people are involved in them. That 80-20 rule that I told you about a bit ago that is not true of us. Because we have more than half of our people involved in the ministries of the church. And an average of 14 visitors each Sunday with at least three people a week on average as first-time visitors. That's amazing. That is amazing. We have first-time visitors just about every Sunday in our congregation. What a tremendous opportunity. They're here because they're looking for a church home. They're looking for a place to put down their roots and begin to grow in Christ. Well, what about our weaknesses? Well, we have some of those too. In both attendance and financially, we are in a slow but steady state of gradual decline. Now, I want to draw out the non-correlation between attendance and giving because I think it's important. I think the explanation for giving is the economy. Ten people, on average, cannot account for a $2,500 decline in giving every month. So that is not the answer to that question. But it does point out the reality that we are seeing a decline in financial support, which reduces our resources. But we are also seeing a decline in attendance. And even though it's only 10 people a month over a five-year period, a trend line is a trend line. (laughs) And if you project the future and keep drawing the line, you don't have to be a math genius to know that in 5 to 15 years, there's going to be trouble unless there's change. Because you can't keep losing average attendance every five years at that rate without seeing significant decline. Secondly, we are failing to attract people who are seeking a church home. Now, as they used to say down south, I'm going to stop preaching for a moment and start meddling. Because here's my take on this. People who walk in the door of our church are looking for a place to put down their roots and grow in the Lord. And when we analyze the history of our church, and one of the things I didn't put in this report, because we all know it, 
One of the great strengths of the Alliance Bible Church in McHenry is the fact that we value and uphold and teach the Word of God. No holds barred, we present the truth of Scripture. There is no way that a person cannot be consistently exposed to Scripture if they're open to God at all and not grow. You can be hungry and committed to Christ and hear fluff every week and remain a baby. But if you have any hunger and thirst for Jesus at all, and you come to this church, and I'm not talking about my ministry only, I'm talking about all of our studies and all of our teaching and all of our ministries, the Word of God is faithfully presented. People come in the door looking for a church home. Why do 200 people in five years not hang around? That's the question. And to be sure, some do, because there are new people in our church family that, that are new this year, last couple of years, okay? When I've asked people, why did you stay? Here's what they've said. Your church is the warmest, most friendly, most open group of people we've ever met. We, we just love it there. We feel so much at home. Said, wow. And when I've had the opportunity to talk to the people who left, and I say, why did you leave? They say, you know, your church is cold and hard to get to know, and people don't welcome you, and I just never felt at home. Who can explain that? I think I know. People that are willing to bang their way in and make a place for themselves become accepted and feel welcomed. But people that are more reticent to do that are not easily embraced. And I don't think we do that because we don't like them. I think we do that because we like ourselves a lot. We enjoy each other. When service ends, we get in our little clusters. When we get together, we get with our friends. And people kind of stand around waiting to be recognized. And oftentimes they're not. Now, I was at a district meeting a while back, and... Um, the question was retention rates. Why, why don't people stay in a church? And here was the analysis. I think Barna Group may have done the research, but here was the analysis. If a person begins attending a church, if they do not make three or four good friends in the first six months, they leave. When I'm talking good friends, I don't mean, hi, how are you? Oh, what's your name again? I mean, hey, let's go to Starbucks. Hey, come over to my house for dessert. Hey, how you doing and whatever your job is, because you know. And you're talking, to, and, and they feel connected. There are three or four people that they like to spend time with. If that doesn't happen in the first six months, then leave. 
And even if they make friends, if they don't find some meaningful engagement in service within a year, they leave. In other words, the church not only has to be warm and embracing, pulling people into our fellowship, but it also has to open opportunities and make room for people to join in the blessing of ministry. We've got to invite people into the work. And that's crucial. And friends, I think it's something we have to be praying about. Because um, it's not that we're it's not that we're cold. I think people say they're cold and hard to get to know. That, that's, that's not really true. We just like ourselves a lot. And we've got to have bigger hearts. We are a missionary church where 40% of our people give nothing to the cause of world mission. That's amazing. And if you happen to be in that 40%, I don't know who you are, and I'm glad I don't. And for those of you that are relatively new among us, I don't know what anybody gives, and I never want to know. Not, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm interested, but I don't want to know what you give. I just pray for the, for the body. But if you're in that 40%, I want to give you a challenge. Would you see if you can find $1 a week you can give to World Mission? Because if you will give $1 a week, and everybody in this 40% category will do that, do you realize that would be $2,500 a year? Just $1 a week to bring a person to Christ in India or Saudi Arabia or Israel or Africa. One dollar a week. Twenty five hundred a year if everybody would get on board. And then this is my observation. It has nothing to do with statistics. I think it's a weakness. We tend to be problem-oriented rather than God-opportunity-oriented. You're free to take issue with me on this. I think the other things I can support statistically. But you're free to take issue with me here. But I think when we run into problems, we start looking for the cause instead of looking for the solution. And, and when I say that, I mean, we're growing. We're a multicultural congregation. When I say we're growing, the numbers don't look like it. But we do see change. We see differences occurring. Part of the reason we may not be growing is because you can only fill a room to about 80% of its capacity. I had an epiphany a couple of weeks ago about this, because if you look around this room, it's nowhere near 80% of capacity. But if you look in the parking lot... We're more than 80% capacity. If you try to go to the bathroom, we're more than 80% capacity. Because we have a lot of stuff going on in a small space. And it's, and it's creating issues that I think is limiting growth. Pastor Hector tells me that they've just about maxed out in the Spanish language service because there's no more room and they're constantly dealing with children's work and everything going on in the midst of their service. Those are not problems that need uh, to, that we need to focus on. Well, who did it? 
Those are problems that we need to say, God, what is your answer? You've led us this way. How are you going to solve it? What is your answer? Because God wants to do things among us that only he can do. Friends, if you can explain the ministry of a church in a P&L statement and an annual report that people did, IBM does that. We need to see the kind of explanation that can say, wow, 14 people a year coming to Christ. Only God can do that. A new building, a new location, greater ministry opportunities. Only God can do that. It's beyond us. So what about the future? I think we need to give ourselves to prayer and make ourselves available to God for the purpose of making our visitors feel accepted and welcome in a congregation where they will grow spiritually and seeing every member become passionate about the cause of the Great Commission and to rejoice in the opportunities God has given us as a multicultural congregation to reach people of every age and language and see the challenges presented by this mission as the gateway to the miraculous. You know, when you think of multiculturalism, sometimes we think, okay, Spanish and English. That's not the extent of our multiculturalism. First of all, many times we white Anglo United States citizens tend to view Hispanic Spanish language as one culture. It's not one culture. The people in Mexico are as different as the people in Peru, who are as different as the people in Puerto Rico, as the people in the United States are different from the people in the United Kingdom, who are different from the people in South Africa and Australia. There are different, there are at least eight different cultures, maybe ten, in the Spanish service going on right now because they come from different countries. Those are cultures even though they have a common language. But even beyond English and Spanish, our English language congregation speaks two different languages. We speak traditional and we speak contemporary. People attend our 8 o'clock service because their heart connects with God in the hymns of the church. That's how they commune, and they don't feel they're connecting with God if a guitar or a drum set is involved. And then people in this service, and I realize there's some crossover, but people in this service connect with God in more contemporary ways, with praise and, and worship songs and guitar and drum. And, and I'll tell you what, I'll be very honest, I love the hymns of the church. But nothing would thrill me more on a Sunday morning than to have a drummer and a bass player and a keyboardist and a guitarist and, a, you know, at least a trio of singers and, and Carrie leading a whole praise band. And I'd just love to just rock for Jesus on Sunday morning. It's fine with me. But we got to recognize that there are two different cultures. Who said what back there? <laughs> uh, okay. 
there's two different cultures. We are committed to preserving both and honoring the people who speak those two languages. But we need to live together and love together in a common body and recognize that different doesn't mean wrong. Different means different. Praise God. I'm glad we don't all look the same. If you all look like me, it'd be scary. We're all different. And we need to respect and cherish that. In fact, we need to celebrate it. I've often said this to, to Pastor Hector, and you know, and I think uh, my Hispanic brothers and sisters appreciate this about me because I love and cherish them. I really do. And to me, being multicultural does not mean we all become the same. It means we have the same Lord the same faith, the same fellowship, and we celebrate Christ in the unique differences that exist. Because every culture has its own beauty that is as much the image of God as our transformed lives. And we need to celebrate that, not try to make it the same. We need to celebrate it, but we need to respect and love each other in the process. Well, I hope this is helpful for you. I hope this gives you a picture that gives you something to pray about. And I want you to go away from here this morning encouraged. Uh, God is on the throne. The economy is not so good. <laughs> but God hasn't moved, and He's the one that has all the cattle anyway. And, uh, you know, the other things that we need to turn our attention to with prayer and eyes toward God can be changed. And that uh, gives me great hope and expectation.